Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we will be learning Daf Pei Base in Maseches Ervin. We were behind, and at the end of the day, hopefully, we'll be able to reach the mission on Pei Base and Beis. Today, Bezrat Hashem will also be able to finish the seventh parak of Maseches Ervin, Parak Chalon. But we begin on Daf Pei Aleph Amud Beis, the two dots, Amar Bihuda, approximately fifteen lines up from the bottom. I'm being modest. It's exactly 15 lines up from the bottom. Okay. Amr Rabbi Yehuda, What was the context of this Mishnah? We were talking about Zachin, right? Zachin, what, with regards to an Erev, right? Right? That everyone agreed that what? We had a person, we said that Yaakov from Goldberg's bagels is a Chenvani. That said the Mishnah. And we're going to try to participate in his bagel Erev that he's making for everybody. Right? And then everybody said that they agreed that that if it wasn't an actual official bagel merchant that was making the Erev, but it was, let's say, Rabbi Heinemann Shlita who's making the Erev. So there, the assumption is that even if Andrew wanted to participate with a pruta, he wanted to pay him. So since Rabbi Heinemann's not an official bagel merchant, he won't get the wrong idea and be mocking him the bagel instead of mocking him the Erev. He'll realize that he's the shaliach for the Erev and the mindset of Rabbi Heinemann with respect to Andrew is going to affect whether Andrew is included in the Erev. And Rabbi Yehuda in the Mishnah said, which is to say, the distinction between Erev Tchumen and Erev Chatseros. Both of them are Erevin, but the Erev Tchumen is very subjective. Erev Tchumen is, Andrew wants to go east, Barry wants to go west. So in that situation, if you want to include, if you want to include Andrew in your Erev Tchumen, which you can do, you need to have his consent. But Erev Chatseros, you don't even need Andrew's consent because Erev Chatseros is, is a situation where nobody, who has, nobody has anything to lose. It's all Revach, as they say in Israel. It's all just excellent. Everybody wants to be included in the Erev. That's why Andrew can move um, or I can move into the Baltimore community. I don't need to get a phone call to ask me if I want to be included in the Erev. Of course I want to be included in the Erev. But if, I, if somebody was making a communal Erev Tchumen, so you say communal Erev Tchumen is a little weird, so it can happen, right? Arya Sonnenberg is setting up a trip from Mat Beit Shemesh to Hebron, and everyone, nobody wants to go Friday night. They only, they, because they want to stay in Ramat Beit Shemesh Friday night. Everybody wants to go Shabbos day. So Arya Sonnenberg can make an Erev Tchumen for everyone, but he would need everyone's consent, right? In order to reestablish um, a, a perimeter elsewhere, he would need everyone's consent. So that was the statement of Yehuda, this distinction between Erev Tchumen and Erev Chatseros, with regards to needing the consent. So now, Amar Rabbi Yehuda, so this Rabbi Yehuda is an Amora, Amar Rabbi Yehuda Meshmuel, Halacha ki Rabbi Yehuda the Tana. Okay? So Rabbi Yehuda Meshmuel is saying that the Halacha Rabbi Yehuda the Tana, that Zachim Shaladim Shalbifanov is only referring to Erev Tchumen. Velo'od, and Rabbi Yehuda said the name of Shmuel something else. Uh, fundamental, which is everywhere where you hear Rabbi Yehuda, the Tana, Shita, in Erevin, the Lacha is, in fact, we hold like Rabbi Yehuda. Okay. So, 
Birnbaum pointed out that he thinks that in Ervin, we've had more of these halacha klalim than in other places that we've ever seen. This halacha is like him, like, or like him, in, in, we usually paskin, um, like, like Rabiosi, we usually paskin like this. Okay. So that's, that's Birnbaum for you. He, he makes these observations. So Amalei Rabchana Bagdata, Rabchana from Baghdad, said to Rabbi Huda, Amar Shmuel, did Shmuel really say that, that Elacha always follows the opinion of Rabbi Huda? So what Rafana from Baghdad is saying, there was a Shita somewhere, okay, uh, and it's actually coming up in about two weeks. There's a Shita in Ervin where, where Behuda has a very unusual halacha that we don't paskin like. Everybody knows we don't hold like it, which is what? That if the air falls down, you could still use it. That if the air falls down, you could still use it, whether it's the lechi or the kora, the physical uh, components of the Erev, if they fall down, you could still use the, you could still carry on Shabbos. That was Rabbi Huda's heter. So nobody held like this heter. So how could Rabbi Huda Shmuel say that we always hold like Rabbi Huda when it comes to Hilchas Erevin? After all, Rabbi Huda has this outlier shita in Hilchas Erevin that even if the Erev falls down and somebody takes away the physical components of the Erev that you could still carry, nobody holds like that. So Amar Lei, Sir Behuda said back to him, The cloud that we hold like Rabbi Yehuda has to do with Erevin, but doesn't have to do with Mechitzos. Wait a minute. So this has to do with what Rabbi Pinchas Gross Shlita said, that if you look at Hilchas Erevin, you're not going to find any Lechi Korah conversation. You're going to look in the Hilchas Erevin in the Rambam. You won't find any conversation of how to construct an Erev. You say, wait a minute. I'm trying to learn Hilchas Erevin, and, and where's the Lechi? Where's the Korah? So this is what we've said many times, that that's not Erevin, that's Mechitzos, right? That has to do with Mechitzos. Ra- last Rashi, on Pei Aleph Amid Beis, but Erevin, Kol Hecha de Ayri Behilchas Knias Erev. Erevin doesn't mean the setting up of the Lechi and the Korah. It means the Kenyan Erev, right? Erevin means to mix. So Erevin is the uh, consortium, right? The groups that we make, how we collectively join in a group for Erev Tchumen, for Erev Chatseros, for Shitufe Mavos. That's technically, that's what you'll find in the Hilchas Erevin of the Rambam. This idea of Korin Lechi, so Rabbi Huda has an outlier Shita, but that's not Hilchas Erevin, that's Hilchas Mechitzas Shabbos. Fascinating, right? So that just setting up the, in order to do an Erev, you need to have those physical parameters set up. But that's more uh, setting up the Mechitzas Shabbos, so that's a Rishas HaYachid Midaraisa, and then you can apply the Halachas of Erevin by joining in the food. Good. So that, that's actually explicit here in this Gemara. Fine. So now, so interesting. The fact that Shmuel is saying that Allah is always to Rabbi Yehuda, that implies that there are places where people argue in Rabbi Yehuda, that there are places where Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim disagree. Okay? If, if, after all, if it was an undisputed halacha of Rabbi Yehuda, what would be the point of saying that the halacha is like him? Of course it's like him. He's the only one that says the halacha. But we see, Levi, Call Makam Sha'ama Rabbi Yehuda a Masai and and Bameh be Mishnah Seinu ain aino ela lefarish divrei chachamim. So again, in our Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda said Bameh devarim amurim. So any time Rabbi Yehuda has a lashon where he says a Masai or Bameh devarim amurim, that's not a machlokes. So in other words, Rabbi Yehuda Mishmuel gets up there in our context where Rabbi Yehuda is saying Bameh devarim amurim. 
And he says, oh, the Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda. So that implies Rabbi Yehuda is arguing on the Chachamim here. But in fact, he just said, and we explicitly have a statement from Rabbi Yoshua that says, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, rather, that says that any time Rabbi Yehuda says, he's not even arguing. So then why are we saying the Allah is like him? He isn't even arguing. He's just explaining the Chachamim. Wow. So this is, this is, um, gonna, we're going to have to explain whether that this is a machlokas. But if it's a machlokas, so then why do you say b'med v'ramimurim? What's this klal of Rabbi Shubin Levi? So let's see if we can sort this out. Gemara asks like this, below pligi? Wait a minute. First of all, he says b'med v'ramimurim. That's true. But how could you say that he's not cholak on a chachamim? After all, v'ha'anantnan, right? We learned in the Mishnah just yesterday, nitosfu alehem. If more residents, right, came to the, came to the Erev, came to the community. So we said there that you add more residents and that you have to, right, notify them that, that you're, you have to notify them that you are actually adding them. Now, in that particular case, that was a shitufe mavos, right? So the shitufe mavos, in that case, we said explicitly, according to the Chachamim, that we need to notify them that we're adding them. Ah, that is exactly connected Rabbi Huda's opinion. Remember, Rabbi Huda in this Mishnah, in our Mishnah says that for heir of Tchumen, you need to get their approval. But for heir of Chatzeros, or Shitufer Mavos, everyone wins, so you don't need to get their approval. So we already have articulated, right, and that's in fact, right, so, so we already have articulated that when we have a Mishnah that says that you have to notify people when they come in, that is certainly connected Rabbi Yehuda. Uh, halacha, in fact, is like Rabbi Huda, right? We're used to, to not having to notify people when they move into town that they need to be included in the Erev. We don't notify them to include them in the Shitufe Mavos. And that's consistent with Rabbi Huda. But the Mishnah had explicitly said, So that, so we see that they do, in fact, argue. Uh-huh. So it says the Gemara, no. A total modification of that Mishnah. The modification that says that was not in fact talking about a regular case of like the Baltimore air, but rather the chatzah that's between two mavos. We had already said uh, yesterday that when you have a chatzah between two mavos, the halacha is you can't, for whatever reason, you in that particular case, you can't include both mavos. Oh, so now it's a zero-sum game. If you make an air with the mavoi to the east, you have now excluded the mavoi to the west. You only can make a chatze, an air of chatzeros with one mavoi. So now the air of chatzeros becomes like an air of tchumen in essence, right? Where, where if you are me'arev in one direction, you've limited the other direction. So any case like that, of course, even Rabbi Yehuda would have to say that that's like an air of tchumen. That's a situation where it's subjective and you need to get people's consent. In other words, anytime you're limiting people with your air of, you'll need to get their consent. Whereas anytime anybody, everybody is just gaining, so then you don't need to give consent. That's the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda. So before, when we said in the Mishnah that when you have an Erev Tchumen and you have new people coming in and you need to get their consent, the, the Gemara is making a massive modification. It's saying that's only when you have a chatzah between, right, a chatzah between two mavos and you can only choose one or the other. So, of course, in that case, Rabbi Yehuda would in fact agree. So that, so, so far we're alive here with this Bamed Dvarim Amorim. It could be that it's all consistent with Rabbi Huda and he's not in fact disagreeing. Okay. But now we're going to have another proof that Rabbi Huda maybe disagrees as follows. We already quoted this yesterday. What did Rabbi Shizvi say? Let's, let's recall. Aha. Remember? When we said 
the Shita. So I don't know if you recall, but we said Rav Shizvi came out in the base Medrash, and he said, aha, you see that Rabbi Yehuda is Chaylik al Chaverov. He's Machlokas. In fact, it was so obvious to us at the time that there was a Machlokas that the Gemara asked, Pshita, of course, why do you need to go out and tell us that he's Cholik? It's obvious that he's Cholik. But now we explain that he's not Cholik. So the question is, if he's not Cholik, why did Rav Shizvi go out and say that he is? That's the question. Amazing. So the Gemara answers, Ella, ooh, we arrived at Pei Beis Ella, Gavra, Agavra, Karamis. Are you contrasting Rabbi Shub and Levi with Shmuel, Mar Savar Pligi, Umar Savar Lo Pligi. Aha. Uh-huh. So there was a machlokes about whether Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim disagree. Wow. So Rabbi Yeshua and Levi said that they don't disagree because he uses the word Bameh, right? And, and, right? And Shmuel holds that they do disagree. So then what does Shmuel have to say about the words Bameh? So I guess he doesn't hold of that principle of Rabbi Shurban Levi. But the point is, so there's machloksin on how to interpret the, right, the halachas of Rabbi Yehuda, the Tana. Some say whenever he says Bameh, he doesn't disagree. And therefore it must be the very unique case in our Mishnah uh, where, they, where the new people come in. There must be a unique case where it's a chatzar ben shtei and others say, no, when Yehuda says Bameh, he could be disagreeing, and therefore the Mishnah stands as we thought, and that would be Rav Shizri would be in that camp to think that in fact Rav Yehuda does disagree with the Chachamim. Wow. Okay. Um, so, so, so that is, we've sorted it out amazingly, that we have a Machlokas, but now we just want to get back into a little bit of what Rabbi Yehuda and Levi said. As you might recall, he said every time that Rabbi Yehuda says Bameh, right, or the, um, or a Masai, he's not arguing, but rather he is interpreting what the Chum said. So we're going to challenge it from somewhere else as follows. Gufa. I'm Rabbi Shubin Levi. This appears in other places in Shas. You'll see it. Uh, well, Bezat Hashem Bizocha to see it. But this idea, right, that Rabbi Shubin Levi had proposed, not everybody agreed with that. Rabbi Yochanan actually argued, no, no less, none other than the famous Rabbi Yochanan, who says that that principle applies only to when he says Amasai, but not Bameh. Wow. So in our, in our mission, he said Bameh Dvar Mamur. So let's see. Okay. Now, regardless, they both agree that when he says Amasai, he has to be in agreement, right? Both Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shubhad Leva agree with that. But let's see if that's consistent everywhere. It says the Gemara, Are you sure that every time he says, V'emasai, he's just explaining what the Chachamim say, and he's not Cholek? But we learned in the Mishnah, Mishnah in Sanhedrin, These are the list of the people who are Apostle Eidus. A person who's a gambler. A Malve Berivis, a person who lends with interest, which is Aser. Umafriche Yonim. Uh, the famous dove racers, Vesochoi Shvius, people who do, um, they deal with, right, Shvius fruits in a way that's not explicitly also Daraisa, but is certainly frowned upon. These people are degenerates. So Amr Yehuda, Amasai, in that Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda said, Amasai, Bizman She'ein Omanus, Elohi. The only time, let's say we're talking about the degenerate gambler. Rabbi Yehuda says the only time he's puzzled is if that's his only Right, source of livelihood, the gambling. 
But if he has an actual job in addition to the income that he's trying to get out of gambling, he should be kosher le'edah. So what's going on here? We have the Tanakama, the Chachamim, who make it sound like the degenerate gambler is going to be possible le'edah, whether he has a job during the day or not. And Rabbi Yudah argues, he says if he has, has a job during the day, he's going to be kosher le'edah. And he uses the word emas, emasai, which is supposed to, even according to Rabbi Shimon Levi or according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's supposed to mean that he's explaining the Chachamim, whereas, in fact, if you look at the context, it looks like he's arguing with the Chachamim. Ah. So, if you think that maybe that's what the Chachamim also meant, the Gemara backs it up with a b'risa that says explicitly, says the Gemara, Wow. So the b'risa doubles down on the Shittas Chachamim, and now we're really stuck, because clearly it's explicit from this b'risa that Yehuda disagrees with the Shittas Chachamim. They hold that as long as he gambles, he is puzzle atus regardless. Okay. So then, how, what are we going to do about this Amasai? So let's see. Can we get out of this? Yes. The Gemara says, Aha. That opinion in the Brisa, right, is the opinion of Rabbi Huda. Not really his opinion, but he's just quoting Rabbi Tarfon. It's not really his own opinion. It's the opinion of Rabbi Tarfon. So therefore, he say he could say Amasai because his own opinion is consistent and he's just showing the, the, the opinion of Rabbi Tarfon. The Tanya, so, so that in itself is questionable. I mean, he's saying Amosai, so it shouldn't really matter, right, whether he's saying his own, his own uh, explanation, right, his own statement or not, but be that as it may, that's the opinion of Rabbi Tarfon. Uh, that's what Rashi explains. Bryce and Mishim Rabbi Tarfon, he, the Omar Asmachta, Lokanya, Alvin Masnisin, then in the Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda is just explaining it. And the Brisa, that is where Rabbi Tarfon is in fact arguing. Okay, the Tanya, like we learned in the Brisa. Now what is this Brisa of which we refer to? An unusual case, an unusual case. Andrew and Barry are sitting on a park bench. Okay, a guy coming, uh, is coming in from the distance and he looks like the last man on earth. He's just got this massive beard and hair. Looks like totally untouched. So Andrew, as he usually does, he likes, he saw every once in a while, he, he likes to gossip. He, he pokes Barry and says, check out that guy. I bet you he's a Nazir. Barry says, this is literally the case that happened. Barry says, he's not a Nazir. He just, this is the style of the day, Andrew. You got to get with the, with, the, with the modern day. So Andrew says, no, 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 no. He's a Nazir. So Barry says, I'll make you a bet. If he's a Nazir, I'll be a Nazir. And Andrew says, you know what? I'll double on that bet. Not double, but I'll make you a bet. If he's not a Nazir, I'll be a Nazir. Literally, this was the bet between Barry and Andrew on that park bench. That's the case in Nazir. That's the Brisa. Okay? So in that case, you, none of this is in the Gemara. You have to fill it in. Um, Right, in, yeah, in the Rashi and explain it and, 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 um, get the context. Anyway, but that was actually literally the case. So in that case, Amar Rabbi Huda Mishum Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Huda quoted Rabbi Tarfon in that brisa with regards to this case of the Nazir. He said, Le'olam ain echad mehem Nazir. Guess what? Barry said, if he's a, if he's a Nazir, I'll be a Nazir. And Andrew said, if he's not a Nazir, I'll be a Nazir. So which one of them is going to end up being a Nazir? It doesn't matter. Whether he's a Nazir or not, neither Barry nor Andrew are going to have to take on Nazirus for this. 
which Andrew is very happy with because he just got a petite castel waiting for him tonight. Anyways, uh, it's Friday night. So, Lefisha ain nizirus ela lehafla. Oh, it's a grand vin? I'm sorry, Andrew. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, uh, under, undersell you there. Okay. So, Lefisha ain nizirus ela lehafla. What's going on here? You can't make nizirus with these kinds of bets. Hafla means it needs to be a, it needs to be definitive. You can't make conditional things like I'll make you a bet, and then when we find out what the what the reality is, I'll be a nazir based off of that. It has to be definitive. I am a nazir, and since neither Andrew nor Barry made any definitive statement of nazirus, they only made like a, a casual bet between them. They are neither of them are going to take on nazirus based off of that. Alma, we see from this cave the misapkale in nazir ilo naziru. Since we don't know whether this. Uh, last man on earth walking down the street is a Nazir or not when you made this bet lo mish abed nafsheh neither of them fully committed to this Nazirus and therefore neither of them will take on the Nazirus so says the Gemara hachanami here too in the case of the degenerate gambler keven de lo yada ikane ilo kani lo gamar umakne whoa since again it's gambling, right? So you don't know. Some people treat it like a parnasa, right? Unfortunately. But you don't really know whether you're going to win or lose. Okay. Therefore, lo gomar umakne. Therefore, a gambler always thinks he's going to win. So therefore, he doesn't have, he never has a complete kinyan to the other person with regards to when they're gambling. And therefore, when the, per- when the other person wins, Right? Let's say Barry and Andrew are making a, a bet of a different sort. Barry, Barry thinks he's going to win all the time. He's always coming up lucky, lucky sevens. Uh, so he's not making his money to Andrew. So if Andrew were to win, Barry is not Michael, right? Like he thought he was going to win. That makes Andrew take it like a goslin. Khalila, right? Like as if he's taking it from Barry because Barry is not Mochel. That's what this Gemara means. It means that just like by Nazirus, it, it's an unbelievable comparison. I mean, there's so much here, you can go to Ian, but just like in Nazirus, right, you can't become a Nazir unless you do it definitively, so too the problem with degenerate gambling is that it's Gazela because you're not nobody's magnet to anyone else definitively. And if you're not magnet to someone else definitively, the money that's in the pool, so then the person who ends up winning ends up being a goslin. That's the comparison. It's a, it's, it, you could poke holes in this comparison, number one. Number two, if we were giving a sheer klali, we would say there's two reasons why a Masachik Bekuvia, this is not a sheer klali in Sanhedrin, the Rav Chaim Yaakov Goldvich Zatzal, Rosh Hashiva in uh, KBY used to give sheer klali on Sanhedrin, no matter what the Masechta, what the yeshiva was learning, because his his whole thing was his Masech, his Sanhedrin was his Maseches Olam Haba, I think he called it. Anyway, so if I were, if 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 Rav Goldberg was giving sheer klali on Sanhedrin, perhaps he would say there's two reasons why a person who's a gambler would be considered uh, would, would be considered pasul Right in Sanhedrin, the Gemara gives the reasons either because Eina Osik shel Olam, which is to say he doesn't understand the value of money. Right, like he, how could he be an aide in the case? He sees money flying around. He's used to big dollars flying around, and he doesn't have a concept of working for it and what it means. So he's not a valid aide for that reason. The second reason would be because he's a goslin. Now it just so happens that in the case that we had in the Gemara before with Yehuda, 
it was the Yishuv Shel Adam issue. Why? Because after all, Rabbi Yehuda held, what? That if he has a job, that he isn't Pasal Edus. That's the Yishuv Shel Olam Svara, right? Because again, if he has a job during the day, so he does understand the value of money. That's not his issue. His issue is that he's also a degenerate gambler, which means that he's a goslin. And that's why he's Pasal Edus. Okay, so, so, no, no, so that, so maybe that's good. No, it's not good, because if you hold that the reason is because of Goslin, so then it shouldn't matter whether he has a job or not. That's the point. So the Svar before made it sound like Rabbi Huda was holding that if he has a job, then he's going to be Kashalaitis. So it sounds like it's dependent on the Yishuv Shalom Svar. Whereas here, he's saying that regardless, it, it, here he's saying that it has to do with the Gazela. Now, if the issue was Gazela, then it, it shouldn't matter. It's inconsistent with Rabbi Huda. It shouldn't matter whether he had a job or not. So what I'm telling you now is a segue to the following words. Hajon Allah Chalon. We shall return to you, Chalon. We finished the seventh parak, but you see there's what to go back to, right? We have to analyze this and everything else, to analyze this and everything else in that parak again and again as we learn more and more Torah, deeper and wider. Okay, beautiful. Who's ready uh, to go on? We don't go on to the eighth parak unless we have the go-ahead from Barry. Barry, is this okay? Can we move on? All right, give us a couple of minutes. Let's see. It's exactly 6 a.m. All right. Yeah, Barry gave the go-ahead. So, here we go. We're going to be talking about Hotzah here, guys. It'll be like a warm blanket. We can never get enough Hotzah. But not yet. But that'll be the topic of this parak. But first, we, we are still in Erev Tchumen. How do you... So we said, Barry Sonnenberg can include everyone in his Erev Tchumen. How does one make a communal Erev Tchumen? So the following... So Arya Sandberg is going to stand on Luz, Nachal Luz, with a giant barrel. I can visualize it right now. And he says, This is the RBS barrel. Let it be for everyone. Anyone who's going to go to Besa Evel, Besa Mishta, Birnbaum was said, Besa Evel, who's Menachem Avel on Shabbos? We had to call Dave Palmer Shlita. He says, Of course you're Menachem Avel on Shabbos. You see the Gemara. It's not necessarily, there's a whole different nusach. That's why we say, Shabbos, Yimilizah, Kofur, Kravalavo. When we make a, right, Mishabeirach for the Choylem on Shabbos. You don't really, uh, you have to change the nusach. It's obviously a different kind of thing than during the week. But there is at least a concept of going to a base Eval on Shabbos too. We don't have, we're not Nohig to have that because that's Avelis Bifarhesia, right? To have a lot of people showing up at someone's house on Shabbos, that is Avelis Bifarhesia. But, um, but to be Menachem and Avel is still not usher to do on Shabbos, okay? All of Mishta, obviously people are going to a wedding banquet. People also don't get married on Shabbos these days. But that used to be a very common practice to get married on Shabbos. Anyways. However, all the RBSers, they have to obviously see Arya do, doing this on Erev Shabbos. Because once Shabbos comes, that's too late to join the heir of Mishatekshach. It's already also to join the heir of She'ein Me'arav and Mishatekshach. As we famously have already been saying many times, we don't, we don't join an heir of after dark, right? We have to join the heir already by Benish Mashas. Okay. So Amar Yosef says the Gemara, in Me'arav and El Advar Mitzvah. This is something that we've kicked around already before. Can an heir of Tchumen be done for anything other than Advar Mitzvah? Right? We said the Mitzvah Slav Nehenas Nitnu. And we, we pointed out that's why maybe you can make the Erev right in the Kever because you can't have a Hana from it. It's also to get Hana from a Kever. There's certain things that are also be Hana. Can you, 
Can you do it by an Asherah tree, which is Asher Bahanamida Raisa? And we said for an Arab Tchumen, since mitzvahs lav nehenas nitnu, you're not really getting hana, maybe you'll be okay. Wow. So this, this is the statement of Yosef, that you only make the Erev Tchumim Ladvar Mitzvah. So the Gemara asks, My Kamash Malan Tanina. What is Rabbi Yosef teaching us with this statement? We already learned that in our Mishnah. Our very Mishnah right here, the first Mishnah in chapter 8, in Ketzad Mishtatfin, the Chol Mishayelach Lebesa Eva Lebesa Mishnah. Yeah, those are examples of mitzvahs, right? Either you're going to be Nachamavel or to be Mesamechos and Dekala. So the Gemara answers, no, katani. Yeah, it could be that the reason why you say base Evil, base Mishnah is simply because that's the common case of where you'd be traveling out of town on Shabbos. But, but, but actually, even if you weren't doing it at Var Mitzvah, maybe it'd also be okay. Kamash Malan, therefore Yosef had to emphasize, no, those aren't just examples. Those examples are specific to teach you that you can only go to the Erev Tchumen, the Shem Mitzvah. Good. Uh, okay, so now getting on to this second concept of this Mishnah, that you can't be Makabal the Erev during, the, uh, during Shabbos itself, says the Gemara an amazing thing. That this is actually a referendum on the concept of Brera. Says the Gemara, Shamat Mina Ein Brera. Has to be that we don't hold uh, of the concept of Brera. As we have already discussed, Brera means retroactive clarification, right? So how would that apply to this? It would apply because Barry, uh, he's not so sure he's comfortable with this Chevron Shabbaton. So he's not participating in the air so fast because he maybe wants to go in the other direction. He's got a wedding. He's got something to do in the other direction. He's not so sure. Come Shabbos Day, Barry's friends, because Barry, everyone knows, is very susceptible to peer pressure. And they, and they prevail upon him that he should come to the Chevron Shabbaton. He says, fine, I'll go with you with the Chevron Shabbaton. So if you hold Yesh Brera, so now be okay. Barry could decide on Shabbos. It'll be retroactively revealed all along. On Erev Shabbos, Hashem knew that Barry was going to go. All Barry's friends knew he was going to go. We just needed Barry to come around to this notion that he's going to go. Yesh Brera. So Barry can go because, in fact, even though we know that you need to have his mindset set by Ben Hashemashos, it is now on Shabbos morning revealed that that, in fact, was his mindset all along. So that's what the Gemara says here. Shmat mina einber. The fact that we don't allow Barry to join the Arab on Shabbos day means that we don't hold of Brera. The Eish Brera, because had we held of Brera, Tigale milsalam afreya dimi beod yom havanichale. It would have been revealed, right, retroactively, that on Arab Shabbos, Barry wanted to go to Hebron all along. The Gemara rejects this proof. Amar Vashi hodiu velodiu katani. Now, instead of interpreting the Mishnah, right, as opposed to, uh, as accepting the Erev before Shabbos, after Shabbos, right? It's not whether he accepted it, but whether he was notified of it. Woo. That's a total, total, total revamp of the Mishnah. In other words, the Mishnah isn't talking about whether Barry decided to go on Shabbos or not. It's talking about when Arye Sonnenberg is making the announcement. Well, that's certainly, right? That's when you're notified. So that's certainly not, so that's certainly not going to work. In other words, right, it's not whether he accepted it, but whether he was notified of it before Shabbos. So already if he was not notified, as Rashi explains, had he been not, had he not been notified, If, in fact, Ari Sandberg never notified anybody until Right, Shabbos morning, there's no brayer here. 
In other words, Aryeh only notified the people of Ramat Beit Shemesh that he made an Erev. He only notified them on Shabbos Day. So once he notified them on Shabbos Day, you can't say that retroactively they all would have joined the Erev because they were not aware of the Erev. There has to be a parameter where it could have been theoretically possible for them to join an Erev. So if the Erev was something that everyone was aware of, and it's just a question of whether Barry's desire to go was effective on Erev Shabbos, that's one thing, because the Erev was extant, right? The Erev existed. But if nobody was aware of the Erev, so even if Barry had wanted to go, he wasn't even aware that he could go. So that is not re- related to the concept of Brera. There's no Brera there, because you can't bring back you can't turn back time literally and say that now we were notified of the Erev. The Brera just uh, is a little more limited. It's not like a, a time turner, right? It is just a, a situation where we can determine someone's mindset and sort of reflect it back, project it backwards based on what they're doing now. We say, oh, that was their mindset all along. But to say that we're just turning back the clock and changing a whole Mitzias, they're changing the whole, that we don't do. That has nothing to do with Brera. Brera doesn't mean uh, like you're Superman flying around the earth really fast a gajillion times to turn back clock. That's, that's not how Brera works. It's just a revelation of someone's mindset. So that's an important uh, detail within Brera. Okay. Not really a detail, fundamental idea of Brera. Okay. Let's talk about a slightly related case um, where we're going to actually... Right, be mezakeh someone to an eruv without their knowledge. I'm a Rabbi Asi. Katan ben Chesh yotze be eruv imo. Right, so we're obviously not talking about the eruv shutif mavos, right? Because shutif mavos in, in Baltimore, you don't ask all the little kids whether they want. Obviously, they're included in the eruv. This is talking about eruv tchumen, right? Eruv tchumen when you're reestablishing your eruv. So, do you have to be mezakeh people with you? So we know that when it comes to eruv tchumen. Each individual has to have some way to join the Erev. You can't just assume because any, right, any amount of meterage that you're going to the left, you're going to be limiting yourself on the right. So that's true of adults. But it's not true of a child. Right? The child goes wherever his mother goes. That's where his meals are going to come from, right? So what's the age cutoff? Ravasi said six. Six years, six years old and younger, he's going to go wherever his mother goes. Okay. Um, that's what Rashi says. Yotze be'er of imo, irva imo la'atzma. She made an air for herself. Velo zichta la be'er. That's the idea. She doesn't have to actually have him in mind. It's a, it's assumed that he's mine. Mulicho ima de kegufa dami says Rashi. He's like the mother. The mistama daita le to los sagile belav imo. He can't he can't move two inches without his mother. He needs his mother until that age. And therefore, wherever the mother goes, he's considered like a part of her. Yes, like an appendage. A lot of mothers will will uh, tell you this. Okay. So that's Ravasi. Ravasi had a six-year-old as the cutoff. So that is debated here. Mesve. They challenged from Brisa. Okay, so so far so good. Everything sounds the same. A cotton that needs his mother. The problem is, when does a cotton need his mother? Still, he needs his mother by the age of six? Let's see. It sounds like they're going to think that it's, it's younger. So if he needs his mother... Then he goes with his mother and she doesn't have to make an explicit air, uh, for him. If he no longer needs his mother, so that, that doesn't mean that she, he can't go in the same air as his mother. It just means that if his mother wants to go, she has to be him in the air of, okay. 
Okay, so now that we know, now that we have this brisa that says that it has to do with whether you're tzarech imo or not, now we're going to go for another source to see what is that age of tzarech imo. So for that, you have to go to Masecha Sukkah as follows. We learn in the Mishnah by Sukkah, ki hai gavna, very similar concept, katan she'in tzarech le'imo, chayav b'sukkah. Right? Who, who has a chiv of sleeping in the sukkah? So men do. Women do not have a chiv of sleeping in the sukkah. What about children? So if the child has to stay with mom, so then he doesn't have to sleep in the sukkah. Once a child, he doesn't need his mother anymore, he should sleep in the sukkah. Right? Hilniya, Malka, etc., etc. All the Masecha Sukkah stuff. So, Katan Shein, right? That, that, the Hilniya, Malka, Masecha Sukkah, that's where all the children in Halacha Sugyas come from. Okay. You know, how much of children in Halacha is Chinuch? How much of it is to acclimate them? And how much of it is the actual chiv, chiv derabanan? Okay. So, so, katan she'en sarach le'im ha'chayev b'sukkah. Okay. The havinan ba, and regarding that, we said, ve'ezu katan she'en sarach le'im we established an age that was different than six-year-old over there. What was it? Amrei devei Rabbi Yanai, kol shenifne ve'enimo mekanachto. Rabbi Yanai held that the age where you're independent from your mother is when you're independent, you can go to the bathroom independently. And Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish Amar kol shenayar ve'enakar ima. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish said anybody who, when he wakes up, doesn't doesn't call for his mommy. Okay. So first of all, the Gemara says, "Ema salkadaitach." What do you mean doesn't call for mommy? Gedolim namikar. Who doesn't call for their for their mommy when they wake up? When Andrew has a nightmare, even today, does he not call for his mommy? Ela ema kol shenayar mishnasa ve'enakar ima ima. Oh, there's a difference between saying mama. When you first wake up and constantly calling for your mother to the point, repeatedly to the point where you will not stop until she comes into the room, right? That's true dependence. To think of your mother all the time is normal for children and adults alike. But to think of your mother and to call her constantly because you can't move on through the night without her, that's what we're talking about. Fine. The comma, how old is a child that constantly just needs his mother? Kvar Arba, Kvar Chamesh. The Gemara says, that's around the fourth or the fifth year when they're four or five years old, which therefore is a contradiction to Ravasi as we arrive at the um, symbolic time of 6.13 a.m. Um, so Kvar Arba, Kvar Chamesh is the right contradicts Ravasi who said that it is at six years old. So what is the age where you depend on your mother? So 6.13, we turn to pay Bez, Ahmed Bez. Amar Shur Bereder Bidi. He's going to answer, Aha. So again, what was the concept of Ravasi? Ravasi says six years old. What was six years old? So perhaps Ravasi would agree that when it comes to the Chi of Sukkah, so he's, we're going to throw, right? We're going to throw Yankee into the Sukkah already at age five or age four, when he, once he no longer needs his mother, right? Because you don't want Yankee to ruin the chill. He's going to come into the Sukkah and he's going to be crying to, for his mother the whole time. We don't need that kid in the sukkah yet. He's too young. But that's for sukkah. But for Erev, we're talking about a different thing. Dad made the Erev to the north. Mom made the Erev to the south. So the question is, up until a certain age, we're going to follow mom. Otherwise, we're certainly going to follow dad, says the Gemara. Which of the two conflicting Erevs is going to be Chal? Says the Gemara. Aha. That even though he's not reliant on his mother to the point where he can't sleep in the sukkah, right? Uh, once he's six years old, he's already a big boy. He can sleep in the sukkah. 
but he still prefers the company of his mother at six years old, certainly. And therefore, if dad said, hey, hey, uh, Yankee, I made you an Arab to the north, and mom says, I made you an Arab to the south, Yankee's going to say, give me the south, please. I'm going to go with mom. But that's at six years old. Okay. So that's Ravasi, and therefore it's not a stira from Masecha Sukkah. So Mesve. Okay, is that really what Ravasi said? That was Rabbi Yeshua, Bereder of Edi's Pshat. But we have a problem with this shot. Why? Because we have a brisa. The brisa says, "Katan imo ad ben sheish." So now there's already a detail here. Ad ben sheish means until his sixth year, which sounds like up until the age of five. Uh, whereas Ravasi said that he could be six, which sounds like it's his seventh year. Says the Gemara, unbelievably, to yufta the Rabbi to yufta. That's in fact that that's a knockout blow to Rabbi Yeshua ben Edi. That, that, the, that we say, right, that the fact that we say that it's sixth year sounds like it's against this shot, whether it's a sixth year or six years old. But maybe not. First of all, we have conflicting, right, reports here. Is it the sixth year? Is it six years old? Is it the fifth year? So when we have conflicting reports, why do we assume that this was a knockout blow for Yeshua Bar Edi's shot? His shot sounded pretty good. Maybe it's a Tiyufta Turabasi Pshat who says six years old. So the Gemara says, Lakavasi, Yeah, when the Brisa says until and including the sixth year, he's saying, In other words, it becomes a semantic issue here of whether do we mean six years old or the sixth year. And so if he meant, you know, which means the entire and including the sixth year, so that means when he's five. And then now everything is consistent. In other words, the six years when he's five years old, he only becomes six at the end. Okay. Fine. So now, So we say that that's a refutation to say who held four or five years old. So the Gemara says no. So now we're going to have to say, right, because the four and five was what we brought before from Yana and Mishlakish. So what are we going to do with four and five? Six years old versus we resolve. But four or five already, you can't bridge that with the ad vilad bichlal. So we say no. Lo kasher. Had the isay avui b'masa. Had the loisay avui b'masa. Oh wow. The halachas of how dependent the child in a, is on his mother is going to depend on the presence of the father. Which is to say, when the father is around, the child is more mature, or at least behaves more mature. The kid matures faster. He's going to be less needy of his mother. When dad's around, he's going to be embarrassed when dad's around to go mommy, mommy when he's six years old. And therefore, the resolution of the Gemara here is that Rish Lakish and Biyana are talking about a case where dad's not, he's away. He's away. So when dad's away, so, um, right, wait, wait, wait a second. Dad's away is going to be when it's four or five years old. That's great. Um, no, no. When dad's away, then even when he's six, that's what it is. When dad's away, then even when he's six years old, He's going to need his mommy. As opposed to when dad's in town, that's right. Raviyanai and Reish when dad's in town, then the Raviyanai and, and Reish Lakish are going to say that six years old, he's already going to be a big boy. When he's four and five, he's still going to need his mother, even when dad's around. But the kid is more mature. They need their dad. They are more mature when their dad is around. That's, they behave more maturely. Okay. Now, going along with this concept of who can make an heir of Tchumen, Without, right, without their consent, 10 lines down on Pei Bezam and Bez, we say the following. A 
person can make an Erev, right, for his children that are Katanim. Here we're talking about again, Erev Tchumim that we're making even without consent. Also, they of the Vishifchasu HaKananim, and also the Evi Kanani, right, they're considered uh, an extension of them. Bein Ladatan, Bein Chiloladatan. You do not need their consent. Aval Einam Arav Loi De Avdo Vishifchasu Ivrim. And Evid Ivri, you need to get their consent. Veloi De Bito, no, Bito Agadolim, and you need a consent from the larger children as well. And you cannot make an heir of Tchumen on behalf of your wife without her consent. Those are autonomous people, the Eved Ivri, the grown children and the wife. Okay? So, Tanya Idach. We have another verse that says, Same, same Brisa, right? Singling out the grown children, the wife, and the, and the Eved Ivri as re, being autonomous, requiring consent to include them in the air of Tchumim. And again, just reiterating what we said before, that if you're an Evid Knani, on the other hand, or you're one of the small children, then we do not need your consent for the air of Tchumim. Why? Because their hand is like your hand, they're under your jurisdiction. However, right, if any of these made their own Erev, right? So an Evid Kanani makes his own Erev. He wants to go in another direction. But his, his, his master, right, as it were, made the Erev in the other direction. They have to go with the Erev of the master. Wow. Except for the wife. The wife can, can actually object. The wife is, is going to give him a hard time. So wait a minute. What do you mean? Chutzmina Isha. Right, we had a whole category of people, the Evid Ivri and the, and the older children, they have to go with their father or with their master. The Gemara asks this. The Gemara asks, Isha Maishna, why are we singling out the woman as being autonomous and being able to make her own heirs? So the Gemara answers, no, it's not just the Isha. I'm a rabba, Isha v'chol damila. It doesn't mean just the wife. The wife was a great example, but it's not just the wife. It's the wife and anyone who's similar to her, which would include the older grown children and the Evid Ivri. Okay? Amamar, chutzmina Isha b'nei that implies, however, that the reason why the Erev that the husband set up, the Erev Tchumen, isn't binding is because she made him a Chah, right? It's because she objected. But it makes it sound like if she was just quiet and her husband made an Erev that he would not need to explicitly include her, but even an implicit inclusion in Erev Tchumen would suffice. But that seems to be against what we already learned, says the Gemara. Because Hakatani We already said that the only way a husband can include his wife in an heir of Tchumen is with her explicit consent. My love the Amri in. Does that not mean that it's only valid if Amri in, if they said yes, if they made a right, if they verbalized and expressed consent? So the Gemara says, Lo, that's not not really. My elamidaitam, what does it mean that you can only make an Erev with their consent? It means the ishtiku. It could be also a tacit consent. It could be a silent consent. If they didn't say anything, they know that, right? We know that the husband, the wife knows that the husband made the Erev and she just didn't make us think about it. So it just means, right, this is like shtika kahoda, right? This just means that if the wife sees the husband making arrangements to make an Erev tchumen and she doesn't say anything, it's assumed, it's assumed that she is um, that she's agreeing, that her mindset is to participate in that Erev, and a tacit consent is good enough. We don't need full-throated verbalization in order to participate. 
And when we and so earlier when we said midaitam, it just means that they're aware of it, and that's it, and that they didn't um, they didn't have any problem with it. Okay. However, says the Gemara, right? But we said bustamahu, right? It said it sounded like in every case unqualified, right? If that if you made an eruv, as we said before, let's say for an evikanani, that the evikanani has to follow the master even if he made his own eruv. Ustamahu, right, and it refers to like a general situation, doesn't, right, <clears throat> doesn't imply that anybody made any objection. And in that context, we said, in that context, we said that the woman, right, is not going to be Yotze with the husbands. And in that case, it makes it sound like, right, nobody ever said any objection or anything like that. They simply have the case where the wife or the Evid Ivory or whoever it was made their own Erev. But in the case where they made their own Erev, there's no mention in that, right, in that Brisa of any contention of anybody saying, of the wife standing up and saying, I do not want to be part of your Erev. And so the case is assumed to be unqualified and therefore assumed to also apply to the case where the wife was silent. And yet we see that if the wife makes her own Erev and the husband makes his own Erev, that we follow the wife's Erev, even though she was silent. So how can you say that silence means implicit consent? So the Gemara answers, of course, yeah, of course. Is there any greater, um, right? Is there any greater expression of her own das than making her own Erev? That's even better than making a Macha, right? She could talk and say, I don't want this Erev, but it would be even more effective to make her own Erev, and that's an even greater expression of her das, not to include herself in the husband's Erev, and therefore it still stands that when she's just Stam following his Erev and doesn't make her own, that she that he does not need to explicitly include her, whereas if she does make her own, she's going to have her own independent autonomy. Shkoyach, have a good Shabbos.